Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 136 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today as we're in that little lull where there's really no sports going on. We had the Home Run Derby on Monday. That was a lot of fun. We had the All-Star Game yesterday. Now tonight, on Wednesday night, is the ESPYs. I don't know if anybody even cares about the ESPYs, but... It's a little lull, but we got plenty to talk about. And with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much. It's been a, a kind of a s- slow week, but again, it's been good. The uh, Always a good time with the Home Run Derby. The All-Star Game's good. I'd prefer the Home Run Derby, personally, but, you know. As do I, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, this is going to the Atlanta on Friday. Otani's pitching. The Angels are in town, so that should be fun. So, yeah. looking forward to that game. But yeah, that'll be a good way to kick back off the, the second half, being in Atlanta for see Otani pitch live, and I guess hopefully Trout's back. I, don't, I mean, I assume he's healthy at this point, but you know, we'll I, see. Maybe I don't know. I don't know when he's eligible. I think he's eligible to come back on Friday, if I recall. Yeah, I, mean, he I was, don't know. Yeah, he was reinstated. No, they hold on. He, I guess he's not playing. They placed him on the IL yeah. on. Monday, so dang, that sucks. But. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if they retroacted that or not. So yeah, come back on. Yeah, I guess if it was retroactive, he he last played on the twelfth, but that wouldn't clear him. It might actually. That would be ten days. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But but you get Otani at least. So that, yeah. that's all. That's always good. Can't right. go wrong with that. Opening up the second half of the year with Shohei Otani. I would have loved to seen him in the Derby this year, but. Uh, it was still a really fun derby. J. Rob put on a show. Obviously, Soto got the win, but I think the uh, the most impressive award, so to speak, goes to J. Rod for that. Did you, he was just hitting absolute bombs? Yeah, and I think he would have won. I think he got worn out just from you know having to go so many con- not not consecutive, but so quickly back to back, kind of. So he's he's a beast, hundred percent. That was fun to watch. Yeah, and then seeing you know Albert Pujols in there, I've always been a huge Albert Pujols guy. That was kind of a fun, fun thing to do by MLB. Get him in there, get him Aussie, him and Miggy in the All Star game as well. That was pretty cool. So Major League Baseball did something right for a change. Wow, that's <laughs> that's shocking. But today we're not talking about the Derby. We get a lot of fun stuff to get into. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you join this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra 
content from both of us, which will include a lot of early looks at our FYPD rankings, our live prospect rankings, dynasty rankings, all that. It's a fun time. So if, if you haven't already signed up for our tool shed, uh, $5 range get, or $5 tier gets you extra content. $6 tier gives, or uh, excuse me, $10 tier, 60 tier. That's what I meant to say. gives you extra um, podcasts as well. And our live rankings is the 70 grade tier. So a lot of fun stuff. And let's check that out. And of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ, including our fantasy football draft kits. All right, let's get into it, Chris. You know what? You know, what? I, didn't, I know this is kind of going out of order, but we just kind of talked J-Rod real quick there. Let's start. Let's move J-Rod to the top here of our outline and go right into him because I had a post the other day. and It's been talked about a lot, you know, not, not just my post, but, you know, a lot of people were kind of talking about where. Where does J-Rod go in Dynasty? I got Dynasty startup draft right now. Where does he go? So, so my tweet the other night, which I think was during the Derby, I said, we can debate the order, but right now, I think there's definitive top tier in Dynasty rankings. I put Juan Soto, Acuna, Tatis, Duel Shohei Otani, and Julio Rodriguez. I think he's put himself in that tier Look at what he's doing this year. He's hitting 275. He's on about a th- right around a 30-40 pace with 90-plus runs, 90-plus RBIs. As a 21-year-old rookie, and over the last – and that power is finally coming along. Like earlier in the year, power was not quite there, at least in terms of the home runs, but the steals were. Now he's at eight home runs, four steals over the last month, hitting over 300 during that time frame. Metrics are very, very good. So, Chris, do you agree that – J-Rod should be top five for Dynasty right now. Yeah, I don't understand what the argument against it is. And right. So since May 15th, so approximately two months of sample, 15 home runs, 11 steals, 293, average 355 OBP, 560 slug over that time. So 267 ISO. Uh, he has a 93-mile-an-hour th- average exit velocity, 23.5% K rate, and a 7% walk rate over that time. I'm not sure the argument against him at this point because he hits the ball extremely hard. He makes good contact. He doesn't strike out too much. He's 21 years old doing this too. It's I'm not sure why we're doubting at this point. Like the only thing like I can like go against him and say he's got a sub 70% contact rate just barely for the season. He has an 80% zone contact. But again, I'm not overly worried about that because he's still producing. Those numbers have trended upward throughout the year as well. The strikeouts have gone down. The contact has gone up. And we're talking about a 21-year-old getting his first taste of major leagues, and he's tearing it up. He's he's going to run away with AL Rookie of the Year, and he's most likely going to get MVP votes as well. Oh yeah. I mean, he's 21. So I think he belongs in this argument easily for – like I think you make an argument for him being number one because the others have health issues. Now, in a daily league, I think Otani – smashes the number one spot but you know a general weekly league you have Acuna who has who's been not healthy I don't think he's healthy right now he's struggling to lift the ball his his back you know push leg is the one that he tore the ACL he's just hitting too many balls on the ground I think it's an injury issue I mean Tatis who even knows with him like we don't know what's going on like we keep getting these different reports I don't know what the deal is with Tatis I mean Soto yeah, I think Soto's value may push him to one if he gets traded. The lineup context could give him a huge boost if he is traded to a contender. 
But I think there's an argument for J-Rod as high as one. Like, you know, call me crazy, but we're talking about a 21-year-old who's doing you know, special things right now. And, you know, there's no holes to prick in his game either. I mean, I don't know what you can go against him at this point. If the argument is he's not going to keep running, I, I think you're wrong. I mean, he's proven that he has, he's actually gotten faster over time, and he's gotten bigger and faster, which is bizarre, but it's actually happened. Like from a sprint speed standpoint, like he's totally increased. I mean, he's, his savant sprint speed is 97th percentile right now. Like that's elite. He he was he bumped to a 70 grade runner, and that's unheard of to to improve your sprint speed. And his home runs just aren't baby home runs either. Like these are monster home runs he's hitting. I don't know. I feel like I'm ranting at this point, but I don't know what else to say. If you want to use X stats against him, then whatever. But I'm not overly concerned about his 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 253 xba like. We can we can debate about that, but I think he's elite, and I think he belongs in that top five pretty easily. As do I. You look at Savant. He's one of the few hitters in baseball that are top 10% in barrel rate, hard hit rate, sprint speed, exit velo, all of that. You know, Yeah, you said 97% sprint speed. Hard hit rate's 51%. Barrel rate's 143 Yeah, X stats are you know, not spectacular, but whatever. You know, I'm looking at what he's doing right now. He's been a catalyst for that Seattle team that's, you know, much better than anybody. I, I shouldn't say much better than anybody anticipated, but you know, Seattle is once again looking like they could be a playoff team. And, yeah, I don't know what the issue is. Track record, I guess. You know, he doesn't have as much track record as, you know, so th- that next tier below this, which is like Trey Turner, Joe Ram, Tucker, Harper, you know, Vladdy, Jordan, those types. That's a kind of a big tier, too, from like 6 to 13 or whatever it is at this point. So, yeah, I, I can see the track record argument, sure, whatever. But you look at what he's doing. Like we we knew this was going to be a special bat. Like We knew that pretty early, and he has not disappointed yet. And th- that was the reason why I still had Whip as the you know 1A to his 1B in my prospect rankings because I thought Whip was going to have the stolen base advantage by a good you know, 10 to 15 steals or so. And that, and that was even with me saying that, all right, hey, J-Rod's – Solid runner too. He's pretty underrated as a runner. Don't you know sleep on his on his speed. But did I think he used to be a forty steel guy? No. Do I still think he's gonna be forty? No. But he's probably going, you know, twenty five at least twenty five thirty this year. That would mean fourteen more home runs and nine more steals. Could go thirty thirty. I wouldn't surprise me if he went thirty thirty this year. And I think he could be twenty five thirty steals. You know, at least for the next handful of years. We'll see once he gets into his mid to late twenties. But for right now, I don't see an issue with him being top five. Absolutely not. And Chris, r- real quick before we move on, uh, what about Bobby Wick? Because like you mentioned that Jay Rod's got to run away with AL Rookie of the Year, which I, I agree. This is kind of funny that, you know, Witt's having a pretty damn good year too. He's on like a 25-30 pace right now. He'd probably be running away with AL Rookie of the Year <laughs> if Jay Rod wasn't doing what he's doing. Is Witt can, in consideration for top 10 overall for you? Yeah, I think so. Just based on what he's done as well. And you're right, he... He would run away with NL, I think, right now. I don't, I don't think if he was in the NL, I think he'd easily win that. I'm not sure who you'd consider the favorite in the National League at this point. It, it was Gore until we forgot how to pitch. Maybe Strider, which is crazy, or Michael <laughs> yeah. Harris. Wait, well, you know, no homerism, but I mean, both of them no, have been really yeah, good. At, that is 100 accurate. I'd probably so, give them votes as well. Yeah, and in both J Rod and Witt, I'd say started out slow. J Rod picked up a little faster, but Witt has definitely come on. And, you know, since June 1st, 179 plate appearances, he's slashing 279, 324, 
461, and that's with seven home runs and 10 stolen bases, too. That's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think Witt has an argument to be in the top 10 at this point. You know, more from an average standpoint, his OBP's not quite as good, but even still, he does have a similar walk rate to J-Rod, so I guess I have to consider that. For the season, J-Rod's is about two percentage points higher, but over the last you know month or so, that has trended upward for Witt, which is encouraging. So you're right, the pace is really good, and I think he's just kind of being overshadowed. Like, based on what J-Rod's doing, Witt's just not getting the attention, and I think you can maybe get a better deal on Witt in the Dynasty League right now. So if yeah. you need that third short position eligibility, you can go out and get him. And I, I mean, he's going to cost a lot, but not as right. much as J-Rod would. Yeah, it, it's funny that a 25-30 uh, pace for a rookie is getting overshadowed. That is, <laughs> you know, we, we've had a lot of rookies come up and struggle. We'll talk about one of those guys later on in the show. But it, it get, it's kind of fun, and it, it feels good that, you know, the two guys that we all thought were going to be studs are already showing their stud upside right away. So we, obviously J-Rod and Witt. So, yeah, I agree. I think J-Rod is top five. I have him fifth right now. And I think Wit is definitely in that. It's it's a really big cluster. I said there's also Devers is in that range too. Uh, a lot of great names in there. But he's definitely in that mix. I I think he's no lower than twelfth for me. And I see where he's where he ends up in my uh, my published update here in uh, what, August first or so. All right. So we have some a couple promotions to talk about here tonight. We got Max Meyer up to Miami and Nick Prado up to Kansas City. Kind of joining the rest of the of the young guns up there. Obviously, Vinny's up there. Melendez was up has been up for a while. Wit. So all those the big young names are up there. Michael Massey as well. Don't overlook Michael Massey. So uh, let's, let's start with Max Meyer though. Got the call uh, about six uh, six seven days ago or so. I started last weekend on Saturday. Uh, didn't really. Yeah, it wasn't that great. Five earned. Uh, excuse me, four earned. No, no, it was five earned. Five earned in five and a third with five strikeouts. Uh, so not the greatest start there, but you know this year in I'll, I'll look at just the AAA stats. I'm not going to include his one uh, rehab start down in low A. Triple uh, A, you know, he was good but not great. Twelve starts, 58 innings, 3.72 ERA. WHIP was one on the nose, and he had 19 walks to 65 strikeouts in those 58 innings, and that is a 28.4 percent strikeout rate. And a 8.3% walk rate. So, you know, right around a 20% K minus walk rate in that range. But again, the ERA a little higher. What uh, what are you what are you expecting from Max Meyer here, both this year and moving forward, Chris? Do you think he's a guy that you could see as a uh, let's throw the threshold at a top 25 fantasy pitcher at some point? Yeah, I'm not sure if that happens this year, but the upside's certainly there. Yeah, I think he's going to have his ups and downs. You know, for the most part, he had pitched really well in the minors. You know, his ERA overall was kind of unimpressive, but he did have a, a streak of two starts where in May where he went uh, five innings, six earned, and then 3.1 innings, eight earned. So I kind of inflated his ERA a bit, but you take those starts out, and he was really good. So can't argue against the results. His first start was was all right. I mean, he went five and a third, struck out five, did allow five earned, but you know, there's a lot of nerves that come in when you're debuting like that. So, you know, the slider is elite. The fastball is really good as well. You know, I'm curious how much he'll mix the changeup in. I think that could be a big factor if he can continue to mix the changeup well. But I do think he's going to provide some value rest of season, but long term, 
yeah, I, I do think we could be looking at a, a top potential top 25 type arm here. You know, the Marlins just continue to produce arms. And I think one of their biggest things we've seen in, throughout their development is their development of change-ups. So that could be pretty big for Max Meyer here. So, yeah, I think it's reasonable to think that he could be a top 25 dynasty arm, but we do want to see some results against big league bats. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're definitely not. I think maybe he could settle in top 60 to 70 arm for the rest of this year long-term. Now, after I said top 25, I, I don't, maybe, I think that's possible, probably a higher end outcome, but I can see him being like a, a good SP3 or so for fantasy purposes. Maybe he gets up in the SP2 territory. Like you mentioned, Slider is elite. Yes, he threw that almost 50% of the time in his debut, 49.4. He used the change up 15.2% of the time. That's actually encouraging. I like that usage. That's a fine usage. Obviously, you want to lean on the four seamer and the, and the slider. Seamer did get hit very hard, but again, just one start. We did have a 41.2% whiff rate on that slider. Uh, only give up two hits on that, but they were but a double and a home run. So, you know, I think, yeah, for this year, top 60 to 70 long-term, top 25 is possible, but more probably in that 30 to 40 range, I think. I think he's a guy kind of like a low to mid three ERA, not an elite K guy, but, you know, 26, 27, 28%, definitely an above average K rate guy, so... Yeah, definitely like Max Meyer a good amount. But real quick, who would you rather have? It says he five years from now, who's the more valuable fantasy arm, him or Edward Cabrera? I'd go with Meyer. I'm yeah, me too. a little more confident. I think you were going to see some, you know, really good starts from Cabrera, but I think we'll see more consistency out of Meyer. All right, let's keep this going. Rapid fire. Let's stick with Miami here. Five, same thing. Five years from now for all of these. Uh, let's see, Edward, uh, excuse me, not Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer or Pablo Lopez. How old will Pablo be in? Uh, probably early 30s. Yeah, he's 26 right now. I'll go Meyer in five years, um, but I, I do love Lopez a lot. All right, Meyer or Yuri Perez? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> and I'm just going to have to say Yuri here. I really think the upside's pretty immense with Yuri. So yeah, I yep. was hesitant on him for a while, but I'm kind of going all in. All right, last one, because I'm not going to do one with six, though, at this point. Uh, Meyer or Lazardo? Meyer. I'm just a little more confident in his ability and even his health. I think Lazardo's health is a question mark on top of the performance. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor Rogers, six to, I'm trying to think if I forgot anybody. Now those guys are below. Sandy is obviously way higher. Okay, I think that's good. Okay, let's wrap up that. All right, moving over to Nick Prado here. Like I said, the latest call-up by Kansas City, adding to their young nucleus they have at the Major League level. It must be a pretty fun time to be a Royals fan. Let's see if they can get some pitching to uh, click here. But offensively, this could be a fun lineup for for the foreseeable future. In AAA this year, it was kind of you know an, an odd season for... For Prado, there was some good, some bad. You look at the the surface stats here in 74 games for AAA Omaha in the International League. Had 17 home runs, hit eight steals. You know his usual lofty walk rate. Let's see at 15.1 percent. You know 374 OBP, 484 slug, and a 244 ISO. So all those look pretty good. But then the one, uh, to the two really negatives here. He's only he only hit 240, and his strikeout rate was 30.6% and just continues to stay pretty high. Last year, even though he was dominant last year overall, 29% K rate last year. And then 2019 obviously was a terrible year along with MJ Melendez. But 
Already has a home run and a double so far. Four hits in his first four games, including those two extra base hits. Do you think he's up for good, Chris? And where do you think he could fall into, you know, fantasy first baseman long term? I'm kind of feeling not top ten, not even top. 10. I could see him like in the you know fifteen to twenty range, maybe. You know, maybe in the, like that Nate Low kind of territory. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. He's not going to stick up. They already optioned him. I'm pretty certain. Um, oh, did they? I completely yeah, they missed opt- that. Yeah, it was on. It must have been Monday. They optioned him back, so it's kind of in the midst of everything going on. So, I'm I'm almost certain they did. Maybe I'm mistaken, but um, no, they, they probably did. I could I completely missed that. <laughs> yeah. So, I, it was a short term stint just going to Toronto when they were out without some players. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's an interesting one to me. Like kind of up and down, you know, a lot of inconsistencies. And he started out the year kind of blistering cold and then kind of heated up. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that hits for a high average, but there's plenty of power here. And, and we know that. We've seen the power in his profile. So, you know, what does he profile as? To me, like as a major league hitter, he's like a, a 250 type hitter that can give you 30 home runs in a full season at bat. Like there's no doubting that power in my opinion i do have to wonder you know is the power playing up in in triple a omaha like that ballpark in that league are very hitter happy so i think that's something to watch but there is no denying his power in my opinion he has big power really the biggest thing is the uh the approach we'll, we'll have to see you know what that looks like he was striking out 30 percent rate this year walking at 15 percent rate so it's kind of crazy to look at the whole profile and see like the almost a three true outcome, 30% K right. and, and 15% walk. That's pretty, pretty egregious there. So, yeah, I don't know. Prado is an interesting one. You just have to follow him pretty closely, but if you're, you're you shouldn't expect batting average from him, in my opinion. Yeah. I was even going to say 240. obviously in OBP, he's got more value. So I'd expect him to be like, at anywhere from 25 to 50 spots higher in Chris's rankings than mine. That's his obviously focus on OBP and mine do not. So yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking like 240. I do think 30 home run power is there. I just wonder if, you know, the context skill kind of limit that a little bit. So I'm thinking more like 25 still, you know, still pretty good. And the added, you know, five to eight steals. So, you know, I can see that. So 240, 25, and let's say like seven to eight. Yeah. I think that's 15 to 20 range, maybe even a little higher, maybe, you know, First base, you know, can fall off quickly. So, yeah, I, I can see him being a never a starting guy, but I guess maybe a, a corner infielder, utility type, or just some some solid first base depth, depending on your on the size of your league. So, you know, I wouldn't be running out there. So I'm still more sell him in, in Dynasty if you can, but I still, keep, I still think there's a path to him having some solid fantasy value. I just don't think he's going to be a star or anything like that. All right, next on the list, not a major league a promotion, but a promotion to double a for which has happened about, I don't know, about an hour or so before we hit the record button here, Ellie De La Cruz, who is having just an absolutely phenomenal season here. We talked about him, I think a few weeks ago, but I think it's time. And I tweeted this out too. I think it's time we put him top 10 for, for prospect rankings. What he's showing, he's a 20 year old. What well, he was in high A, obviously now in double a, this year, 303, 360, 609. It's a 306 ISO, 14 doubles, six triples, 20 home runs, 28 steals, only been caught four times. 
yeah, you know, the approach still is being refined, but he's made some strides, you know, over the last year or two uh, from what he was. Even even the last year, you know, walk rate has gone up. K rate has come down a little bit. Swing and strike rate has improved. You know, so he's making those. It's They're small improvements, but he's getting there. And he's done that without sacrificing any power speed. Like he's on like a 40, 55 pace or something like that. He's only been in 73 games, 306 play appearances. He has the 2028. 20, I think he's the only 2020 20 guy in the, in the minors right now. I think Corbin Carroll is still at 19 home runs. He's been limited. You know, he hasn't played a lot lately, so he probably would be there. But yeah, it's Ellie. You add in last year, combined 134 games. 28 home runs, 38 stolen bases. So he's just making those improvements. Huge, huge power speed blend. So I have him right in that, you know, back into my top 10, right where, you know, to- Ezekiel Tovar, Jordan Walker, those types. I think he's definitely top 10 now. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, well, this will be his uh, first true test. Well, I won't say true test because he was obviously tested in high, but we'll, we'll really see, you know, as a 20-year-old in A, what he's made of. Like, is all this legit you know, I'll be interested to see if he continues to steal at the rate he does. We know he's an elite speedster, and you know the power's certainly there. But can he continue to hit for this average? And will we see the strikeout rate continue to trend downward? Those are the things to be watching with Ellie De La Cruz here. But yeah, certainly exciting, and I do think he's a top ten prospect. You know, everything that we've seen's been insanely exciting. I wish I had more of him in dynasty leagues. Yeah, no, I, I echo that 100%. I wish I did have more as well. And I think, you know, my, my next prospect update is going to be on Monday the 25th. So he probably obviously won't jump up too far from now to then. But if he, you know, my next update, wherever this comes late August or whatever, early September, if he gets off to a hot start in double A and just continues to show those improvements, continues to show this level of offensive capabilities, there's a chance I could see him by that point. Green will probably have graduated. Riley Green, I mean. I think there's – I wouldn't put it out of the realm possibility that he's number two overall behind Carroll. That's if he, a possibility. If he continues to rake a double A, like there's no definitive two right now. Yeah, I, I, Green's my two right now. He'll be in this update. Probably graduate before the next update, barring injury. Then you got you know a cluster of guys. You got the Hassels, the Fulpies, you know, Gunnar Henderson, all those guys. And I think you got to put – David Cruz in that conversation. And I said, he might be number two overall. He keeps showing what he's doing. So yeah, definitely very, very, I wish they, I wish Cincinnati's double a team was in the, the Eastern league. So I, I could get some live looks at him, but don't think this is how maybe he's out in the fall league. Who knows? We'll have to see, but uh, all right, moving over to the opposite side, meaning demotions. We had one notable demotion from MLB down to triple a recently Spencer Torkelson, who just hasn't been able to find his footing at the major league level. And obviously that ballpark America park in Detroit has not been helping his power output, but through 83 games, 298 plate appearances, slashing just 197, 282, 295, 11 doubles, five home runs, 21 RBI and 25 runs scored. So, you know, obviously it's been a lot of prospects struggling this year, Chris, and, you know, it's natural to have the ups and downs of being a rookie and adjusting to major league pitching, but I don't think really anybody could have seen like a 197, 282, 295 slash went through, you know, a half season of the bats from Torkelson. So where are you at on him right now in Dynasty? How worried are you? What do you expect of him moving forward? Have your expectations for him changed at all after seeing, you know, what he's done this year? 
Well, I think the expectations have to change a bit, but I'm not like all out on them. I actually think it's a good time to buy personally. I think you can, you know, it may be his lowest value ever. So it may be the time to go trade for him in a dynasty league. You know, he was making good contact, which is interesting. He was running an 86.5% zone contact rate, 77% overall contact rate. Like those are solid enough. And it is a bit surprising to see him hit for such a low average. He did run a low Babbitt, but he's kind of been a low Babbitt guy for most of his professional career, which you just have to wonder, like, who is he? And I guess that's the question mark. We did see the average trend downward at every level from high A on. So that's another question mark, too. The strikeout rate was 25.5%, walked near 10% of the time, which is good. But a 68 WRC plus just ain't going to cut it. So I do have my question marks, but I think this is probably a case where Torkelson was just in his head. I mean, he was one of the best college bats that we had seen in some time when he was drafted, and maybe the, the demotion will be good for him. I think this could be a time where he just goes and kind of you know, resets his thinking a little bit, gets back to the basics, and gets back to hitting. I do think he'll be fine, but I wonder if we're looking at more of a – maybe a 260-type hitter that hits 25 home runs. So the expectations may need to be tempered a little bit, but like I said, I still think it's an appropriate time to to go out and get him in a dynasty league. Yeah, you literally said the exact projection. I was going to say 260-25. I think neutral park, he could be 30-homer guy, but maybe even he's lower than 25. I don't know. Comerica has really limited some you know, equal or better power. Like, you look at Cassianos. I think he's a better power hitter than Torque, and he was limited immensely in his in his time in Detroit, and then he went to Cincinnati and, and almost hit well, was like 40 home runs or whatever it was uh, the year after. So, yeah, I think 260-25 is very accurate. I think you hit right in the head. That's what I was going to say. And, and what is that? You know, 260-25, that's, you know, maybe if, if there's some good counting stats with it, let's just say he's, you know, 85 to 90 runs, you know, and, and, 85 to 90 RBI. So like, like right around like 170, 180 combined runs in RBI. Obviously he won't provide any speed, but that maybe is back end top 100, you know, I'm trying to think of other guys in that range. And that's, that's not a lock for top 100. So he's going to have a pretty sizable drop in my dynasty rankings. I don't know if he's top 100 from here right now. He's right around 100, maybe be a little bit outside. I do agree though, that there is, this is a good time to buy. Uh, just because he's obviously better than this, I think he'll bounce back after he gets some, you know, finds his footing in AAA, clears his head, and he come back up right later in the season. But I don't know. I'm I'm really tempering my expectations moving forward. I think he'll be good, but not great. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Get a word from our sponsors. We will be right back. All right, and welcome in. Hearing from our sponsor, Manscaped. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is now brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, maybe even a new tool for your shed. Manscaped recently launched their newest tools in the 4.0 package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. The 4.0 performance package by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. 
First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm absolutely blown away by its performance and craftsmanship. This fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight that you need for the most precise shaves. Because it's waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming even further? The 4.0 package includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. It's also waterproof and provides a proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Ball deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner change the way you will approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws two free gifts in their Performance 4.0 package. That's the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to go take care of yourself and see what all the talk is about. Get some new tools for your shed in the 4.0 package. and Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping using the, the code TOOLSHED. Don't miss out on this great deal, so do it right now. Go to manscaped.com, use the code TOOLSHED, and get 20% off and free shipping. All right, welcome back from the break here. We got a few fun little topics to go before we get out of here today. Let's start with obviously the the story that's just dominating the baseball headlines, really the sports headlines right now. Juan Soto rejected a $440 million 15-year contract. And I, I love how Chris like on the service people are like, "Oh, how could he turned down $440 million. But you look at the average annual value, it's $29.3 million. That's low. Yeah, overall, $440, that's a lot. I wish I could be as good at baseball as Soto and could turn down nearly a half billion dollars. But average annual value for him is low. He's probably looking $35.40. So 12 at $450 to $500 is probably, I think, where it ends up at. But so it looks like there's a, a solid chance that he's gone. And I still think there's a chance he resigns. I, I wouldn't put that out of the wrong possibility that he sticks in Washington. I think they're at least going to make one more attempt. But assuming he does go, obviously there's the, the number of teams that can have the player capital, the prospect capital, and the money to get this deal done and then sign him to what he wants. You can count those on one hand. You know, it's the Yankees. It's the Mets. It's you know maybe the Red Sox. I doubt it. Uh, but the Dodgers, I've heard the Angels bantied about, which I hope not because they've already ruined two generational talent, or not ruined, wasted two generational talents' careers in Otani and Trail. I hope they don't do a third with uh, Soto. But where do you think he ends up, and what do you think that does to his fantasy value? Well, I think that if he does move, that it only increases his fantasy value. It's hard to imagine he anybody trades for him and he goes to a, a worse lineup. So, you know, I right. think if he goes to a contending team, the drive to perform is going to be there. Obviously, more run in RBI. I think you see, you know, increases in a lot of areas. So the problem is that I think his trade value is just so high. You're looking at two and a half years, you know, minimum, if you don't re-sign him. Even at two and a half years of Juan Soto, the, the capital it's going to take to get back is going to be absolutely insane. So, who can do it? I think the San Diego Padres are the best fit. I think it's weird to think about Soto in a Padres uniform, but C.J. Abrams obviously being a centerpiece. You can throw in a McKenzie Gore, a Robert Hassel. Like 
they have the prospect capital to get it done. Plus, Abrams is already MLB ready, so he could go ahead and slot in that Nationals lineup. You could potentially get someone like a Cronenworth maybe to go, who's not old by any means, to go to, to Washington, who still has some team control. So there's a there's a lot of options in San Diego, which would be really interesting for his value. I think they could get it done. Other teams, I mean, the Yankees could if they decide that they're not going to re-sign Aaron Judge. I don't think there's any way that they get Soto, re-sign Judge, and sign Soto long-term. But who knows? I mean, it is the Yankees, and money is being spent in a crazy amount right now. But the Yankees do have some fun prospect capital. Obviously, not to the level that I think the Padres do that could get the deal done, but they still could give a, a pretty solid package to get him. The, also, the kicker is going to be a team that can take on a contract. I think that they're going to want to move like Patrick Corbin's contract in this trade, and maybe even a could could they move Steven Strasburg? Who knows? But I, I think <laughs> I'm you, sure I'm sure they want to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they want to. Would love to trade Soto, Corbin, and. Uh, Strasburg in the same package, like literally have no one on the payroll, that would be impossible. But it would be interesting to see. You know who else would be a decent fit would be the Giants. I think that could be a fun fit for them. I mean, the Giants have a lot of young talent, and you know Logan Webb could go over, and then you can send some prospect capital as well. I mean, you've got a Luciano, you've got Kyle Harrison, they've got some other young talents that could potentially go in that trade. So that would be a fun fit to see. Who knows? I mean, with the Mariners, I don't think they – the Mariners don't have enough capital to hurt their ML, – without hurting their MLB roster, that is. Yeah. So there's a lot of teams that could fit, but I think the best teams are in California and being the Padres and the Giants and the Dodgers we know could do it. The Dodgers would do it in the blink of an eye. I hope they don't, though, but <laughs> it'd be fun to see. Dude, if I had to bet $100, though, on one team, it I'd probably throw it on the Dodgers. They just, yeah. And they've done this type of deal before, you know. They they, they with, with the Red Sox a handful of years back, a couple times actually. Um, they, they took on a, a big a big name player and, and took on some extra salary as well. You know, Magic Johnson. Thank you for for doing doing some of those. Not the Mookie one, but the, the one back with Crawford and all them. But yeah, um, yeah it's it, it's funny that you know Corbin's probably gonna be in this deal. Which that's funny. I posted a little funny tweet where it's like, "Hey, uh, Soto's available. Oh yeah, we're interested. Oh, you got to take Corbin too. Ah, I'm, I'm heading out. It's that SpongeBob. <laughs> me like, ah, I'm heading out." But, no, but uh, you know, with Soto, obviously the Dodgers, man, that would be going from a lineup where he has Josh Bell and for the most part, nothing else. You know, we've had a little couple hot streaks from like Lane Thomas and Cesar Hernandez, but for the most part, it's Josh Bell and nothing else. And put him in a lineup that even after the trade would still have obviously Freeman and Betts and Will Smith and all of them. It's just phenomenal. That lineup would be obviously it's already deadly. It'd be even more deadly, and his runs and RBIs would go up. He'd have protection. Finally, I think that's the biggest thing. The run production obviously would be there, but just getting him some protection so he gets more pitches to hit and doesn't get walk. He still has his elite walk rate, obviously, he always does. But those only help the power output should go up, obviously. So at least you'd think so. Getting more pitches to hit. In addition to all the extra run production that will come in that runs in RBI, as those are the two things that are kind of lower, at least the RBIs for him. I think he's running on pace for like 80-something RBIs because nobody's getting on base in front of him. But, yeah, but Padres would be great. I think they could pull it off. You know, Preller loves to trade, so I think he could do it. Uh, Dodgers, yeah, I could see the Giants. I'd probably put them lower on that on that pecking order to get it done. You know, sleeper team, I, I've heard 
Baltimore's name a few more than once. I, I don't know if I fully believe it, but you know, they got some money, they got some young players. I think they could. I, I put them further on the list as well. But you know, Mets, I won't I won't be surprised. You know, Steve Cohen's always trying to do something and, and create buzz for that team. So I I throw the Mets in that conversation. I wouldn't rule out the Phillies. So there's like, you know, I think five, six teams that could pull it off. Probably the Dodgers, but yeah, any move for you you imagine any move is a good move in terms of Soto's fantasy value. That's that's for sure. All right, moving on here. The next topic we got on the docket. A couple of, so Chris wrote an article recently about some some stat cast, you know, barrel rate standouts here. There's you know a bunch of players he mentioned in the article, but the two that really stood out to me, and we can get some other names too. Uh, but Cabrian Hayes and Gavin Lux, obviously big name prospects that have had, you know, kind of some ups and downs, you know, more downs and ups, I'd say, in, in their major league careers. But, you know, Hayes having, you know, kind of a bad year this year. Lux, good in terms of, you know, he's in for average, but power speed just hasn't really been there. So, Chris, I'll throw it over to you here since you wrote the article. You know, where, where are you at on these two? And do you think – both are good by lows or maybe what we see is what we're going to get with these guys. Well, I'm definitely in on getting Cabrian Hayes right now. It's his profile is so bizarre where we knew he would hit for average, but he hasn't <laughs> like he was a safe bet to hit for average. And you question what kind of power he would have and he would steal bases. And that's pretty much what he's done to, so far this year. Um, he's even over his career since he debuted, I mean, he's been pretty much unimpressive. And between 2021 and 2022, 756 plate appearances, so a little more than a full season. But he's slashing 254, 320, 365. Very underwhelming from a hitter that makes the contact that Cabrian Hayes does. 10 home runs over 756, not good. 19 stolen bases is pretty much all you got going because 19 stolen bases at third base is valuable. And that's what he's doing this year. He's running. He has 10 stolen bases so far this year, just four home runs. Now, what's bizarre is his contact is so good. I mean, his overall contact rate is well above league average, and his zone contact rate is borderline elite, I dare say. Um, league average zone contact is 85%. He's 92.2%. And overall contact league average is 76%, and he's at 82%. Really good contact. He doesn't swing and miss. He's got a 7.6% swinging strike rate this year, which is really good. So, you know, what, what's going on? I guess that begs the question with Cabrian Hayes. I think it starts with ground balls. and you know, 50% ground ball rate, not good. But he's still hitting a decent amount of fly balls. Like 30% fly ball rate is decent. But his home run to fly ball rate is worse than ever. It's at 5.6%. But then you go to his stack has profile, and his average exit velocity is top 10% of the league. I mean, his average EV is 91.7. Really good is max 90th percentile is hard hit rate, 90th percentile. So you look and you see all this. Yes, I think the ground balls are an issue. But still, when you're hitting 30% fly ball, like, what is the issue? And then you look at his barrel rate, like, that's the issue. It's just hitting for the hard EVs at the right launch angle. He's not getting it done. And really, that's the issue. His barrel rate isn't good at all. It's actually, you know, bottom percent of the league. And then that you can go and you can look and you can see his average EV on fly balls and line drives. Not good at all. I mean, 93.6 miles an hour as opposed to 91.7 overall. So 
there's issues of just making the quality of contact on the right batted balls. But that does tell me that it's in the profile and he's capable of doing it. So I think that he's capable of hitting for more power, and I think that he's a decent buy low. So I forgot to even introduce the article, but basically looking at home runs per barrel, and 2022 actually is a bizarre year where we're seeing the lowest home run per barrel rate that we've seen in quite some time. So basically home run or a home run is a, a barrel or a, barrels end up a home run, you know, a good bit of the time. This year is the worst in Statcast era at 45.5% right now. Last year that number was 54 or 52.4% home run per barrels and then we've seen it as high in 2017 at 61.3%. So basically what I was doing is looking at players that you know, are underperforming home run per barrels. And people that came up like Andrew Benintendi, who has 12 barrels, three home runs, 25% rate. J.D. Martinez stood out. He has 32 barrels. He actually had the most barrels of anybody that popped on this list. And he has just nine home runs, 28%. Pretty low. You mentioned Gavin Lux. Brian Hayes also popped on this list of players that are just kind of underperforming. And I think those numbers can can regulate. So Hayes is one. Lux is another. Man, Lux is, I'm kind of at a loss of what to do. Lux just doesn't hit the ball that hard compared to Hayes even. Like, you know, Lux's average EVs, you know, three miles, four miles an hour lower than Hayes, and that's pretty significant. His barrel rate's higher than Hayes, but that just shows that he's hitting for the right EVs at the right launch angle, which Hayes isn't doing. Lux, man, he's a tough one to, to value right now. You mentioned he's hitting for average, which is great. He has a 370 OBP. But the slug is 415, not good. No power. You know, I don't know what to make of Lux. Really struggling where to value him for dynasty purposes. But I'd say I'd willing to take a shot on him. I'm definitely willing to take a shot to buy Cabrian Hayes low. Yeah, I, if I had to buy one right now, I would definitely rather go after Hayes. I think his value is probably even a little bit lower. Or at least the price tag is even a bit lower than Lux. I think they're both, you know, fairly reasonable price tags with how they've been performing. But Obviously, Lux is actually hit, he's always hitting for average 292, 369 OBP. But yeah, and he's actually got a 92nd percentile of sprint speed. The approach has gotten better every year. Key rates come down uh, every year. Walk rate's gone up this year. Both career best 17.6% K rate, 11.2% walk rate. And you mentioned he has a better barrel rate than Cabrian Hayes, but still only 6.7%, which is actually league average, even though that just feels kind of low in general. But, you know, four home runs, five steals in about, you know, half season worth of plate appearances. So, Maybe he cracks 10-10, maybe, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling too, man. It's good to see. I think the average is legit. I think he can be a you know a 280 type of guy uh, moving forward, or at least in that general vicinity. But yeah, where is that power speed right now? We're at 16 home runs, 12 steals for his career in 827 plate appearances, and you know the the metrics have never been great. The barrel rate has never been great. You know the hard hit rate's been like okay. It's a, kind of like middle of the pack. You know. X, exit velocity has never been great. Middle of the pack or slightly below average. You know, his X slug's been under 400 each of the last three years, 395 this year. Man, yeah, I, I don't know. It's and he's he, he, even though he's hitting well, he's you know obviously hitting very low in that Dodgers lineup. Maybe he's a guy that would, could get traded in a Soto deal. You know, hypothetically, we'll see. But man, I don't know. I, I think there's more category juice. With Hayes, I, I value him higher long term, and I, I think he's a guy I'd rather go out uh, and get. That's for sure. Uh, all right, rounding out the show here, 
we got to talk a little Byron Buxton. I had an article that came out today, and I'll just, you know, fair warning, if you are a Byron Buxter supporter, a Byron Buxter truther, or you just really like the guy, you're not going to like this article. Obviously, you know, if I were to do a power rankings, top 10 power rankings, I'm just the funnest players to watch, most fun players to watch. Byron Buxton, I don't know where he'd be. He'd be top 10, no doubt. Well, he, you know, the raw skills. I, I had a tweet tonight, too, or last night, Wednesday night, when you're listening to this. There's three players in baseball with a uh, hard hit rate, barrel rate, and sprint speed in the 90th percentile or better. It was Mike Trout, it was J Rod, and it was Byron Buxton. But that has contributed to two steals this year. Sprint speed obviously is only half the battle. Maybe he's, you know, trying to limit that so he doesn't get injured as much. I don't know. That's purely speculation. But. You just look, and he's a 244 career hitter. He's hitting 216 this year. And like I was saying over on, on Bench with Bubba that Chris and I were on last night, go check that out, by the way. Uh, that was a lot of fun recording that tonight as well. That since he came up in, like, it was mid-June 2015, he's played in 53% of Minnesota's games. He's cracked 100 games once. He's not running anymore. The power is elite. You know, the power, the last three years, has finally started materializing into game power barrel rates have been elite hard hit rate all of that he actually has the, the highest you know home run per at bat rate in baseball since the start of 2020 but then overall he's only i think 32nd or something like that in total home runs because he's only had i think 693 plate appearances over the last three years so it's just staying on the field obviously is the issue long line of injuries that not running anymore not consistent enough you look at his like rolling woba charts it's just up and down up and down up and down up and down inconsistencies throughout the entire profile. So, I mean, outside of the power, really. So, man, I, I he's not top 50 for me anymore. And I think we all get, we've all kind of gotten blinded by just how funny is and those elite raw tools. But as we've learned that those don't always translate into, you know, elite fantasy stardom. So, and I put a, a, a tweet about where people, seeing where people value him and 20, uh, 17% said top 25. 53.8 said top 50. So combine that, that's about what, 70 or so percent. 22% said uh, t- top 75, and then only 7.5% said outside top 75. He'll probably be 60 to 70 for me, so I'd still say top 75. But, I mean, he's a definite. If you can still get a top 30, 40 you know, player back for him that's a lot safer, I would 100% do that right now. He's a tough one to value. I don't know what in the world to do with him, honestly. I mean... Yeah, everything looks good minus the swing and miss and the injuries. He has kind of been trending downward. The batting average is poor. The OBP below 300, not what you want to see. The power has been a pleasant surprise this year, and all the power metrics kind of support that. You mentioned the sprint speed's there, but not running. So, gosh, he's one that you just – if he was healthy all the time, like he, could, I think he could easily be a top 20 dynasty guy. But the bigger issue is that he's not. Actually, he's already had the most played appearances this year than he has since 2017, which is kind of a surprise. But you know, he had 511 played appearances over 140 games in 2017. Already 304 this year in 73 games. So, you know, who knows what happens in the second half? But gosh, he's hard to value, dude. I really am just struggling with what to do with him, honestly. Yeah, no, he is hard to value. And some of the metrics here, I just pulled up my article, which is, you know, set to come out tomorrow morning on Thursday. 
you know, so over looking at the power, you know, since the start of 2020, I looked at the, there's 224 players with 650 plus plate appearances. He has 693. So that's the threshold I used on, on fan graphs and, and whatnot. So slugging, he's fourth at 583. ISO first at 326. Hard hit rate, 12th at 50.7%. Barrel rate, 14th, 16.2%. And then bats per home run, first at 11 points. So one home run every 11.6 at bats. You know, look at Barrel rate's been elite, hard hit rate, average exit velo, slugging ISO. They've all been very, very good the last three years. And then you look at the contact and approach metrics, and basically every, in terms of like contact, zone contact, chase, whiff, walk, K, swing strike, all that, they've been all below league average. Outside of his chase rate this year, has been only 26.6%, which is a little bit better than league average, but also the whiff rate's 33.6%. The walk rate has actually ticked up to 79 which is a career-best mark, but at the same time, his K rate is the highest it's been since 2018. It's back up right under 30%. Swing and strike rate's always been like that 14, 15, 16% range. Zone contact is 75.2. That's not great. Overall contact, 69.5. That's not great. That's why he's hitting 216. He's a 244 career hitter, under 300 OBP. So, yeah, I just, he, I agree. He can be at times top 25, but we just, those are such short stints, short bursts of, elite st- superstardom that I just can't rank him that high. I don't know. I, I think right now he's, I have him 65 just to give you a spoiler alert, but I don't know. Like he's, he, he could go through a month where he's top 25 and then another month where he's either a hurt, which always happens or B's not even top one fifties with, with, with the struggles. Like he's gone through that this year, up and down, up and down, up and down. So yeah, he's hard to hard to rank, but I just can't do top 50 anymore. Just, if he was, if he shows me that he could, to stay in the field and give me even like 550 player appearances. That's all I'm asking. I'm asking for 155 games. Give me 130 games again. Give me 140, something like that. Maybe I'll move him back up, but at the same time, average hasn't been great. So there's a lot more cons right now than pros in this profile. So I, I got to do a sizable drop down for him. But all right, that is going to wrap us up, though. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. <laughs>